0: Let's listen to God's holy and infallible word, Uh, Ephesians 1, verses 17 and 18. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That's our reading this morning. This prayer series, it's about us growing devotionally together. And it's about us desiring to build up that one particular of the three strategic pillars we've been talking about lately. The other two being a relational pillar and an aspirational. And what we've been doing in this series, I mentioned the prayers of Paul, but what we're also doing is tracking with uh, the main ideas in uh, some of the chapters in a little book on prayer uh, by a wonderful teacher and pastor named Alistair Begg. And I know a number of you have signed up and got that book, and I hope you've been finding it helpful. Today, we've been more or less following um, these chapters and and so forth from the book. Today, we're going to start out our message by uh, following the book quite closely. But then, where we're going to be ending up as we go on is somewhere quite different from where Alistair Begg goes. So, in chapter 5 of the book, we're asked to contemplate a fact. And this is what we're asked to contemplate as believers in the Lord. One day you and I are going to be very, very rich. And it's because of an inheritance coming to us in the future. It's already ours, but we haven't received it all quite yet. And we know about inheritance, right? To benefit from any inheritance, someone has to die. Usually, it's not you. Usually, it's someone else. But in this case, it takes our own death to happen before we get this full inheritance. But it's not our death that earns us the inheritance. Like any inheritance, it's given to us right? Um, Jesus earns this inheritance for his people through his death and resurrection, and he gives it to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. And in that way, we get the riches of God's grace. Paul wants us to know this, He prays that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened to know the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints in verse 18. The Bible talks about this inheritance more often. A few verses back in verse 14, we read that the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance and this is not typical of inheritances, right? That it's guaranteed. There are so many things that can happen for us to lose an inheritance. You know, maybe you might have a wealthy, very wealthy family member, and you're like, oh, I'm for sure going to get Some inheritance from that person but with people living longer these days than ever before with the cost of living the cost of assisted living rising like never before that money might very well be long gone before that relative passes away and we also know that a deep dive of the stock market uh, can wipe out that money In a matter of seconds, a deep recession or depression can make anything that we have, its value be worthless, right? Also, some people can be very funny and controlling with their money. And depending on how a family member acts to them, they could change their mind, change their wills on a whim, and adjust who gets what of their inheritance. So the fact that this inheritance, these riches, is guaranteed makes the inheritance for believers that the Bible talks about the very unique. It's, it's, it's like that uniqueness of biblical hope that we talked about last week, right? The world's hope is not guaranteed. It's an I hope so hope. We have no idea if it's actually going to come true. But like that hope, this inheritance too, it's grounded in God's promises It's rooted in the works of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in us is a guarantee of it. And so if we belong to the Lord, we have the Spirit in us. And if we have any of the gifts and fruits of the Spirit in our lives, we can be certain we'll get fully everything that God has for us when we die. 1 Peter talks about this inheritance and the guarantee and the security of it too. It says, Praise be to the Lord. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade kept in heaven for you. So, we've got this guaranteed riches coming to us, but we know it's not like money, right? So, what is the inheritance for believers exactly? What are these riches? Well, the Bible talks about our inheritance as our salvation in Jesus, the forgiveness of our sins. The fruit of the Spirit are part of it. Joy, peace, love, and all the rest. It's that we're adopted into God's family, which makes us children. And then if we're children, we're heirs, right? The Bible says. We possess some of our inheritance now already, but we're going to have it fully and perfectly in glory. And that, heaven, full possession glory That's something we can only begin to imagine. Um, we, the Bible gives us some hints, though, right, in various places, uh, especially in Revelation, but other places, too. You think of, of, of the Father's house with many rooms, a mansion that Jesus says he's preparing for you and me. Think of the wedding feast of the Lamb. It's going to be the greatest and most joyful wedding party ever Bible talks about uh, that heaven will be like a great city and what's amazing about this great city is it's not going to need the Sun or lamps because God himself will be the light for this city unbelievable we know too that there's not going to be any sin blocking our love for God and others. You know, that sin that it's just constantly working uh, to counteract the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. You know about that. I I know, I sure do. It's going to be no more sickness, no more tears, no more disappointments, no more death. But there's something more than all of that Revelation 22 says, more than all of that, we're going to see God face to face. Our inheritance is so glorious, it's so unimaginable because it's ultimately God himself. Psalm 16 verse 5 says, Lord, you alone are my portion." my inheritance lamentation says great is your faithfulness it's new every morning we know that verse just after that it says and the lord is my inheritance in old testament times god's people were given the promised land and each tribe and even each family was given an inheritance a portion And as great as that was, it was a foretaste, it looked ahead to a much greater and ultimate inheritance for all God's people, bought by the shed blood of Jesus. Uh, You know, the Bible is made up of the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? Another word for testament is covenant. But also, a testament is a will, right? Right? In the Bible, both Testaments, uh, what God's people inherit ultimately is God Himself. He is our portion forever. Ephesians 3.16 talks about the riches of God's glory. God's glory is the fullness of His being. His glory, that's ultimately what we'll inherit. That's he himself. That is all of his attributes together. His might, his majesty, his justice, his truth, his loving kindness, his his mercy, his holiness, and on and on. All that he has revealed about himself, that's our riches. That's our inheritance, and this is all perfectly displayed in Jesus, who the Bible says he's the word become flesh who dwelt among us. John 1 verse 14, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Paul is praying that we would open our eyes to all of this, all these riches, and that we'd somehow grasp it all. And and so we go deeper in prayer, asking for God to help us see all that we have in Him, all these riches, and all that we will have in Him, the full inheritance, we might think talking about this inheritance and, and everything the Bible ta- tells us about it uh, for this life, for the next, the glories of heaven, we, we might think kind of where we led to here, to God, we might think, God, huh, hmm, I don't, I'm not quite sure about that. That, that seems kind of removed from my everyday life and experiences. But the fact is that the riches of the glory of God, His majesty, His magnificence, His grace, His truth, it all impacts everything in our lives, our work, our relationships, all of it. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon said something about God and the difference he makes in our day-to-day lives in in 1855 to his congregation, and I, I did the math, he would have been only 21 years old when he said these words to his congregation, which is amazing, it's crazy. So I have these words up here. I'm going to read them so you can follow along. Because uh, this 21-year-old had some deep thoughts. <laughs> but they're great. Would you lose your sorrows? Oh, and it also uses the word Godhead a couple of times. People used to say Godhead about God. It means God. It means the supreme being of all And maybe especially points us to the Trinity. God is one God in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when he says Godhead, he means God, but in all of his majesty, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So keep that in mind. So you wonder about the significance of God being your inheritance? Listen to this. Would you lose your sorrows? Would you drown your cares? Well, then go plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea, be lost in his immensity, and you shall come forth as from a couch of rest, refreshed and invigorated. I know nothing which can so comfort the soul, so calm the swelling billows of grief and sorrow, so speak peace to the winds of trial as a devout musing on the subject of the Godhead. Paul is praying, and we should too, that we'd be excited every day by the prospect of our glorious inheritance. Now, how are you spending your inheritance? And that's kind of the question that I put in in the title of of the message how are you spending your riches what are what are we what are we doing with all this what are you doing with all this well one option when when you've got riches upon riches is to be taking inventory of all that you've got every day you know sort of like someone checking their portfolio maybe pulling it up on the computer and and we're amazed at how our riches are accruing and maybe it's beyond what we ever would have imagined. And and we think, wow, I'm doing all right. I'm doing pretty good. I'm set. Plus, all this stuff that I got, it's FDIC. I mean, Holy Spirit secured up to the full amount that God has for me. Hooray! But taking inventory of our riches is not ultimately doing a whole lot with this inheritance right but but what can we do let me give you some ideas it seems to me that in the depths of sorrow and pain in our lives we can draw on those riches we can we can spend them embrace like the bible says that our current struggles are light and momentary compared to the glory that will be revealed and, and 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 spend them in such a way that that we know that whatever else is going on we are children heirs of our heavenly father and he's not only loving but he's almighty and he will keep us and never ever let us go another way we will spend our inheritance is when we realize how rich we are in the Lord and how poor the world without Jesus is. And so we spend our riches when we help and serve those in need. We spend our riches when we see someone who is lonely and include them with our friends at the lunch table at school. We spend them when we see a teammate struggling or not fitting in and we include them. And encourage them on the team. So the big question, the main question is, are we spending our riches? Or are we hoarding them for ourselves, just sitting there contemplating them, taking inventory? We do not have to hoard them because there's more there than we could ever spend. We don't have to sit in some corner keeping it all for ourselves, not letting a penny or a buck slip away because like that woman in the prophet Elijah's time who had a jar of oil that would never run out, we have an inheritance that will never run out. Some other ways that we spend our inheritance in the home, in our at family devotions, dads, parents, What are we doing there? We're sharing our riches with our loved ones. With our spouse or with our friends or other family members. We spend our riches as we live a life of generous and selfless love. When we're a Sunday school, children's church, faith foundation teacher a youth group leader, gems, a cadet counselor, a nursery volunteer. Aren't we sharing our inheritance in all of those places? If we're in worship, and it's such a blessing, isn't it, to be in worship every week. When we're in worship and we're from the bottom of our lungs and from deep in our hearts, singing out as loud as we can, who cares? I'm on tune, aren't we expressing to those around us, when we're singing like that, what God's riches mean to us? And when we explore God's word, when we talk about it in Bible study and in small groups and sermon discussion group, aren't we learning together how to spend our riches how to put our wealth to work. The old nature, uh, we, we talk about it, and this isn't a very politically correct way of saying it, but in the past, the old man of sin, right? He doesn't want those riches to be out there making a difference. Expanding God's kingdom, sharing the faith to the generations. Sin in our life gets in the way of sharing the riches. Uh, The devil wants us to squander these riches or be self-absorbed with the riches, uh, to be prideful that somehow we deserve all of this. And so we resist Satan and we resist sin with all our might and with God's help so that we can be spending them. So, in addition to spending our riches and resisting the devil, um, spending them all the different ways that we can dream up as a child of God, we also have to be strategic about this spending. We spend strategically. We have to spend where the Lord is leading us, right, to spend. In Matthew 7, Jesus warns against casting pearls before swine. In other words, we don't just throw out our inheritance anywhere and everywhere as people. We want to be thoughtful. We want to be strategic. And as a church, we want to be thoughtful about how best to invest and to spend. So if, if we're spending... You know, as a church in your own life, if you're spending and investing somewhere or in someone, and you've been doing this for a while, and there just ain't no results, there's no fruit, then we should stop and consider maybe we made a poor decision to invest there. Maybe we kind of read God's leading in our lives Wrong and consider focusing elsewhere. Leave that be where you were spending. Many seeds were planted, but leave that to the Lord to hopeful so that hopefully in time he will bless and it will bear fruit. But for you, maybe you've got to focus somewhere else. Um, so the, the point is that this inheritance is so very precious. And and, and so we have to be very thoughtful. We don't just spend these riches willy-nilly. It's the riches of in Jesus Christ, after all. And so we look for God to open and shut doors so we're investing in all the ways that God wants us to invest. Does that make sense? As we think about all of this, We have to certainly confess that we've not appreciated our inheritance. And in fact, we've hoarded and we've misspent the riches of God's grace. Jesus once told a parable about someone who did this, and it's called the parable of the prodigal son. It's about a wayward son who insisted on getting his share of dad's inheritance early, And then with that share, he skips town with the money, wastes it all on women and booze and parties until he hits rock bottom. And our our tendency is the same. We're selfish, and we spend what we have on the wrong things. However, when we, by God's grace, like that sun, wake up, come to our senses, (laughs) and repent of all the ways that we've gone wrong with this inheritance, whether it's not realizing what we've got, whether it's, it's hoarding it for ourselves, not being generous with it, or if it's um, misspending it on the wrong things. When the Holy Spirit wakes us up, and we repent like that son In the parable the father welcomes us back with arms wide open and we can join the family again and we can embrace the family values again of investing in the kingdom and learn what that's all about so to conclude how does this all encourage us to pray deeper and wider right what does this mean for our prayer life well I encourage you in a number of things, and myself too, pray that God would open your eyes to how rich you really are in Jesus. Give continual thanksgiving. We're in this season of thanksgiving. We're going to have a wonderful morning thanksgiving worship service in a week and a half. We have so much to give thanks to God for. We'll give continual thanksgiving to God the Father in your lives, in your homes, in this church for this inheritance. That's a gift to us, not earned by us, but earned by Jesus. I'd encourage us, too, to pray for forgiveness for the times you've been selfish with the riches of grace and misspent them. Pray that you'd be generous in spending your inheritance in uh, this impoverished world and in the impoverished lives around you. And since we can't uh, invest in every spiritually needy person, and we can't do that as a church either, we also pray for wisdom on exactly how to spend our in- inheritance. There's got to be a strategy there, and we need to go to God to see which doors he's opening, which doors he might be closing. And as we spend, we pray all the while that God's name in our lives and in this world would be glorified, that it would be hallowed, that his kingdom would come, and that his will might be done. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, as your word today invites us to have a sense to know more deeply the riches that we have in Jesus Christ, that we are heirs of the kingdom. Make us people who, who want to know that more and more, know that deeper. Help us to be people who, who wisely and generously spend this inheritance. And in so doing, O oh God, might your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.